Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering, delivering made-from-scratch hot meals and individual boxed lunches for fast distribution to offices, warehouses, and factories, even on nights and weekends. Details are at grandmascatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. Today is Friday, March 10th. Coming up, one Missouri lawmaker wants to legalize the use of psychedelic mushrooms to treat PTSD. This is not uh, not something you're going to find at Walgreens anytime soon, but uh, you know, I think it's something that really could help a lot of folks. Plus, a local nonprofit record label is trying to turn Kansas City into a bigger destination for musicians. To me, it has to start from the bottom up. And like, if we don't start building our music industry with our local artists first, then uh, it's not going to be any sort of success. Manor Records' true mission? Making money for local musicians. But first, some headlines. A federal judge ordered Missouri's ban on enforcing federal gun laws to stay in place yesterday while the state appeals his earlier decision overturning the ban. KCUR's Peggy Lowe reports. U.S. District Judge Brian Wimes ruled this week that the Missouri law was unconstitutional because it violated the standard that federal law trumps state law. The Missouri law allows citizens to file lawsuits for up to $50,000 if they believe that police enforcement of federal laws violated their Second Amendment rights. Wimes ordered an administrative stay that temporarily freezes his earlier ruling while the state takes its case to the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals. A federal attorney told Wimes that he doesn't believe the state will be successful in its appeal and that public safety has already been harmed with the law. The Kansas Senate voted yesterday to bar transgender girls and women from girls and women's sports teams. The ban would cover elementary school through college. The bill now goes to Democratic Governor Laura Kelly, who's vetoed similar bills in the past. Senator Renee Erickson, a Wichita Republican, supported the ban. The opponents don't seem concerned about the trophies, placements, and championships that are lost by Kansas girls if we don't pass this. But Senator Pat Petty disagreed. She's a Kansas City, Kansas Democrat. This bill is not about fairness or women's sports. It's about discrimination. If the governor vetoes the bill, the House of Representatives might not have enough votes to override her, but the Senate likely would. Missourians have filed 11 ballot measures seeking to add abortion protections to the state constitution. The Missouri Independent reports a St. Louis doctor filed the initiative petitions on behalf of a group called Missourians for Constitutional Freedom. Each proposed amendment would require the state to protect reproductive rights like birth control, abortion, and prenatal and postpartum care. But each version is also slightly different. The Independent reports that some allow the state to require parental consent for minors to get abortions, while others do not. The Secretary of State will accept public comment on the proposed amendments before supporters can gather signatures to get the issues on the ballot for voters to decide. We'll be back after this. You listen to this podcast every day because it's your KC local reliable news source. You take us seriously. But you know, we like to get down and we want you to party with us. Join us at our annual benefit, Radioactive, on June 14th. NPR's All Things Considered host, Ari Shapiro, is the featured guest at this party, and it's gonna be bumping. You gotta be there. Sponsorship packages and ticket information are available at kcur.org slash radioactive. 
Psilocybin, the drug commonly referred to as mushrooms, is classified as a Schedule I drug and outlawed in most states. But a Republican lawmaker from St. Charles wants to make the mushrooms available as a treatment for mental health issues in Missouri. Representative Tony Lavasco has filed a bill that would allow the hallucinogenic drug to be used for medical purposes under the supervision of a professional. KCUR's Steve Kraske asked him about how it can help people suffering from PTSD and other conditions. Here's part of their conversation. So what is it that sparked your interest in legalizing the the medicinal use of psilocybin that that's definitely isn't a boring drug? <laughs> well, to be honest, you know, it kind of started off as just an exploration into medical freedom. Uh, the idea mm-hmm. that the uh, federal government uh, ought not to get involved with a decision that you and your doctor uh, are making as to what's best for your health. And, and I kind of approached it initially just based on that. Uh, in my mind, uh, there were some folks that were looking for uh, alternative uh, ways to, to treat conditions they had. The government was telling them no, and I thought that wasn't right. One of the people you talked to about all this was Elaine Brewer, who dealt with severe depression and suicidal ideation related to her husband's service with the Navy on one of its elite SEAL teams. How did her husband's service affect her and affect your thinking? You know, that was a, a really difficult uh, testimony to listen to when we had the bill hearing last year. Uh, you know, Elaine kind of went through what she'd went through watching the uh, the friends that she had made that were, were spouses of her husband's uh, colleagues uh, deal with with more and more of their husbands just not coming home. And that affected her very deeply. Uh, she had, you know, become tightly knit into a lot of these folks' families, uh, and she was losing friends on a regular basis, uh, which, you know, is not something that people really think about when it comes to PTSD related to, to service members. So we, we tend to focus on uh, the people themselves, the, the troops, but, uh, you know, their families uh, go through a lot as well. So she wound up trying psilocybin to deal with the anxiety. How did that work for her? So my understanding is uh, she actually ended up having to leave the country in order to get the treatment because of, of how our laws are structured. Uh, I think she went to Mexico, if I remember correctly. Um, and ultimately, uh, she had a, a handful of treatments. It wasn't a, a long process. Uh, and she said it made major differences in her, her coping and ability to to just kind of function. Let's listen to a little bit of uh, testimony here from Elaine Brewer, who talked about uh, how psilocybin helped her. In July of 2021, I was offered a life-changing experience along with six other special operations spouses to explore psychedelic-assisted treatment therapy. This treatment has not just saved myself, but so many others, too. I'm sure you will hear it many times after this, but it was like 10 years of therapy in two days. I have seen this medicine work miracles. I have seen teammates on the brink of suicide find peace and presence. I have seen teammates who are drinking themselves to death who have now never picked up another drink since, even years after their plant medicine experience. I have seen so many come out of this treatment and the life is finally back in their eyes. I imagine it's people like Elaine Brewer that you're trying to help your representative. Oh, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, whether it comes to veterans or first responders, or we've got a whole classes of folks that are going through a lot of trauma, and the traditional medical community doesn't have a whole lot of options for them. Uh, and I think this is just a wonderful way to, to give, again, optional uh, treatment methods uh, for folks that are interested with their doctor. Uh, you know, it's very controlled. This is not, uh, not something you're going to find at Walgreens anytime soon. But, uh, you know, I think it's something that really could help a lot of folks. I was going to say, maybe we shouldn't uh, progress in this conversation until we ask uh, the question about the elephant in the room here, which is that you serve in a General Assembly that's pretty conservative. I've got a feeling this is going to be a tough sell with at least, you know, some members of your caucus. 
you know, there's, you know, with any issue, there's always some folks that are, are going to be hard nosed. But generally speaking, the reception has been very, very positive. Uh, remember, we're not talking about a recreational program. We're not talking about something that, uh, you know, the average person is just going to be grabbing out of a drugstore. Uh, we're talking about a controlled medical environment under the supervision of a physician. Uh, and we're also talking about a, a group of folks that, that, quite frankly, conservatives champion. Uh, the, the idea that the Republican Party would leave veterans and first responders out to dry because they're a little squeamish about uh, drug reform policy. You know, I, I think that's an easy thing to, to jump through. But uh, when you actually talk to the representatives, you'll find that it's very much the opposite. There are other psychedelics being studied for treatment of PTSD and treatment-resistant depression. Uh, why are you focused on this particular treatment? Quite frankly, there's the most amount of actual research and, and data behind it. Because uh, you're right, there's quite a few other substances that uh, have been demonstrated to, to show some help. Uh, but psilocybin not only has the most uh, science uh, behind that, but quite frankly, the other thing that's a, a huge deal is the lack of side effects. Uh, mm -hmm. Other than a moderate increase in blood pressure, there, there's not a whole lot that uh, is going to happen to you if you take psilocybin uh, and you're, you're not exactly going to have a good experience. Uh, you know, there, there's obviously reports of, uh, you know, bad hallucinogenic uh, uh, side effects in the moment, but long-term health effects, uh, not so much. You're not going to overdose. You're not going to get yourself killed. Uh, and so it's an incredibly low-risk treatment option for folks. Huh. Tell me a little bit more about the therapy process here. How do magic mushrooms work exactly? So the, the, the concept as far as how it works uh, on your brain, I the, that's that science is a little bit behind, uh, above my head, but uh, my understanding is the the concept is called neuroplasticity, uh, and the idea is that it kind of opens your your brain up to the ability to to kind of rewire itself to to use wow. a metaphor. Um, I, I've likened it a bit to getting a, a cortisone shot in a in a damaged uh, knee. It doesn't necessarily heal the damage by itself, but it allows your body to to kind of adapt sufficiently uh, that your natural healing methods can uh, can kick in. And we should point out that Elaine Brewer in her testimony said that some people felt relief in as few as two treatments, Representative. That's pretty interesting. Oh, absolutely. I think one of the biggest selling points for this, uh, this product is that it doesn't require long-term use. Uh, it's not a traditional pharmaceutical that you might uh, expect to be on for months or years. Uh, most folks have very limited experience with it, and then they kind of move on with their lives. That was KCUR's Steve Kraske and Missouri Representative Tony Lavasco. You can hear their entire conversation from up to date at kcur.org. Kansas City might be world-renowned in jazz, but it isn't known these days as a destination for musicians or the music industry. Beck Shackelford Wangonga reports one local nonprofit record label wants to change that. Manor Records started like a lot of great ideas, in the basement of an unassuming home. Around 2012, Sean Crowley and four bandmates rented a three-bedroom house off Johnson Drive in Shawnee, Kansas. They called the place Shawnee Manor and turned it into a noisy concert venue, complete with a DIY stage, bar, and entrance through the backyard. He told me about it at a coffee shop in January. But there'd be like 100 to 200 people just like walking through my house, like it was cool. <laughs> The group moved out in 2016, but Crowley drew from the community he'd built there and started to manage bands. He called his company Manor Records, and in April last year, he opened a nonprofit record store and cafe in Strawberry Hill. Crowley says they were only able to cover expenses and close the store in January. Me looking at that being like, this is going to take me five to ten years to ever put money back into the artists, I'm like, I need to get the out of here. 
because like that's not what I'm in this for. Instead, Crawley wanted to find a way to put money into musicians' pockets like now. And he wanted to build a network to fund artists on an even bigger scale. So Crawley pivoted. Now Manor Records represents artists like Scab. And Crystal. Today, Manor is still nonprofit and they manage nearly 30 bands. What's unique is they don't own the rights to their artists' music. To me, it has to start from the bottom up. And like if we don't start building our music industry with our local artists first and just try to do it all like overhead and like shows at Sprint Center in Midland only, then uh, it's not going to be any sort of success. Crowley's approach means musicians can put their money right back into their art, which is good because making music is expensive. So we're working on a six song album. So I'm like trying to do the mental math. Tw uh, Twenty-four, say $2,500. That's Kat Keen, who says production. a six-song album could easily then, cost $10,000 or more. She leads a five-piece band also called Kat Keen. Cat King will play the main stage at Boulevardia Music Festival this summer. Still, between performing, writing, and recording songs, King has to keep a full-time job. But it is exhausting. As ideally, I, <laughs> ideally, I will get to a point where I can be on tour, yeah, have funding for my music. King met Manor Records through their Songbird Sessions, a weekly concert at Blip Roasters in the West Bottoms. King says Mater can't fund her ambitions entirely, but it's great to have someone else in her corner. So Manor is essentially like the artist's biggest fan. Joel Nanos is owner and sound engineer at Element Recording Studios in KCK. He says Kansas City needs more concepts like Manor Records, which could help the region attract more music tourism. Because if you can get that money into the artist's hands, the musical artist's hands, you can help them, you know, build a career that will ultimately shine a light back on the region. Nanos has worked in music for more than 20 years, and he says there really isn't an industry here like there is in Memphis or Nashville or L.A. He says many artists have to leave Kansas City to get discovered. And then Kansas City, you know, then Kansas City's like, oh, that's ours. We, you know, they're proud of it, of course. That's great. But uh, it's... It's hard to do it from here. Through Crawley's work and others, things in Kansas City might get a little easier. His team is gearing up for their biggest fundraiser of the year, a music festival in Lawrence and Kansas City called Manor Fest. This year, they'll feature more than 50 artists. Crawley says the money from Manor Fest will go right back where it belongs, into artists' pockets. For KCUR 89.3, I'm Beck Shackleford Wanganga. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. This podcast is produced by Trevor Grandin and KCUR Studios and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. To read Beck's story about Manor Records, visit kcur.org, where you can find more local news from Kansas City's NPR station. On Monday, we'll take a look at who's running for election in Kansas City on April 4th. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week. <laughs>